0: Hey everyone, it's Monday, so we've got another episode of the Road to Revenue series, and we took over Clubhouse with the Breakfast with Champions Millionaires Breakfast Club for this week's Friday free weekly training, been doing it for over 21 years, and today's episode is all about living in the world of more than enough. That's right, stop wishing for crumbs, and we will cover what you should be wishing for and how to do that. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode and check show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is entrepreneurs. The playbook. We're going to talk about limiting beliefs. Most people are limiting what they, they have been a couple of things. If anybody wants the limiting beliefs guide, just go ahead, Donnie, what's going on, my friend, just go ahead and, uh, email me david at dmelzer.com so we're live now oh good morning everyone thank you so much jake thank you amelia you're incredible i can't wait to see you in kentucky oh so hold on one second hi there we go it's my first time on clubhouse my name is david Meltzer, and i welcome you to this extraordinary day i'm going to talk about something that really excites me because every time i think i'm expanding, growing and accelerating, asking for too much, a few days, weeks, months, or years later, I realized that somebody else's reality surpasses my imagination. And I've created a practice of asking myself, what are you asking for? And am I asking for crumbs? And if I don't think I'm asking for crumbs, what bigger thing is out there? There's so many people, their reality far exceeds my imagination even. And my reality far exceeds other people's imaginations. And so I have shifted my perspective of consistently thinking why am I asking for crumbs? And why am I asking not only for crumbs, but why am I not asking often enough for the crumbs that I'm even asking for? And the idea of asking goes way back to wishing. And uh, when we wish, that's the first thing uh, that creates. the request of the universe for what we want. And I find that the majority of people, their biggest problem is they're not requesting enough. And they're when they do have the radical humility to request, they're asking for crumbs and we're lying to ourselves with we're asking for too much. Am I asking for too much? I'm sorry for asking. Oh, I don't wanna bother you. But uh, when I was five years old, um, I grew up in Akron, Ohio. And uh, as many of you know, not very, Uh, wealthy, I had a single mom with six kids, and we'd actually have to pack our dinner in a paper bag and drive around so my mom could, uh, after teaching second grade, fill up turnstiles with greeting cards at convenience stores just so we could eat. And I thought at five years old, if I could only be a millionaire, I'm old, so this is the early seventies. If I could only be a millionaire, I could buy my mom a house. I could buy my mom a car, and I would never have to work again. And... Believe it or not, the people that were around me, my family, friends, et cetera, would mock me. They'd laugh at me, make fun of me, thinking that I was asking for too much, too much to be a millionaire, too much to have to keep on working. Uh, And that was way too much. And these are the assumptions uh, of my reality, the living beliefs that uh, energetically and genetically are inherited it's not just uh energetic inheritance of people around me and understanding what my reality or world or the size of my world is it's more even a genetic inheritance uh that i have an internal thermometer uh back into you know the caste system almost that we're born into some genetic inheritance uh that limits us and you know if we look closely at these negative behaviors and that's what it is it's interference between us and limitlessness and infinity these negative behaviors that are ingrained into what we do every day to become apologetic guilty resentful offended separate inferior superior all of these different feelings they come from an underlying cause of limiting beliefs they come from uh, inherent and uh, in, a uh, genetic and energetic inheritance and it in, interferes with your infinity it interferes with your infinity as much as we look at our lives and say i'm dreaming big i'll just add a plus 1 to it i revert back to when i was 5 years old and i would you know get into that mathematical bat- battle where it would you know move up and up and escalate and escalate to oh yeah infinity oh yeah infinity plus 1 are you living in infinity plus 1 are you realizing every day taking your perception and your reality and realize that you have your own infinity. And that infinity may or may not be as big as somebody else's infinity. And we need to shift our paradigm and continually look to expand that perspective of not the goals that we have. Uh, and so many people make the mistake of setting goals. They attach their emotion to a goal an outcome and end. And they wonder why they have so much resistance, so much limitation. Uh, in why it happens so much slower than they want. When, if they utilize a set of milestones, milestones are things that we surpass or go past, and not setting our emotions to even a milestone, but putting our emotions, our energy in motion through where we want to be by enjoying what we're doing, by taking the time to find the light, the love, and the lessons in what we do by finding the light, the love and the lessons, what we do enjoying the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of that new infinity, that new world, that new limitlessness that we are striving for. And no matter how big you dream and no matter how much you're asking for, you understand you could ask for more. And no, no matter how often you're asking, you can always ask more. And yet, what is it that creates that feeling that we're asking too much? What is it that we are satisfied with understanding our world may or may not be as big or bigger than other people's worlds that we have to expand and grow and accelerate? How does expansion occur? It it recurs first by the law of gravity, understanding they're exactly where you're supposed to be uh, at the right place at the perfect time. But through appreciation, when we appreciate what we have, we recognize it, recollect it, and remember and remind. Those are all unification terms that allow us to what? know that we're connected to and through limitlessness, infinity, the great source of omniscient, all power being that comes through us. But when we appreciate what we have, it automatically expands. All of you, hopefully, have bought some real estate in the last five years, and it's appreciated no matter where you live. If that land is appreciated, it has added value to what it was. When you appreciate something, it adds value, it expands. So now your world, your crumbs become bigger. Now you can't acknowledge it. You can acquire the knowledge of that expansion, that growth or the limitations that you've set upon yourself unless what, you give it away. See, when you expand and then appreciate, And then acknowledge by giving away, you now have a bigger vessel to fill, which then means it's more important to ask for more to fill that entire vessel so you can appreciate it, expand it more, acknowledge it, give it away. And so we need to get rid of the mechanisms that we're utilizing in our lives to create these limiting beliefs that either reset or recalibrate ourselves back to the temperature that our energetic and genetic inheritance gave us. These limiting beliefs are the things that stifle us, that create a reality that we can't or that reality of being a victim that we live in some sort of world of not enough. Or even it causes the scarce energy, which I lived in, even when I was a multimillionaire early on in my 20s, of what I call just enough, buying stuff I don't need to make me happy, buying different things I don't need to make me happy, buying things to impress other people and even impress people I don't uh, even like. And so how do we get rid of, what are the steps to get rid of our limiting beliefs? Number one, I like to codify things. I like to codify the lessons I learned because I know that I'm going to forget every lesson I ever learned, including gratitude and appreciation. Even though I remind myself every day, I'm going to forget it. I just want to make sure that I have a system in place to access it. So I actually love to codify or write out my negative interference The needs of the egos, the triggers of the egos, the people, places, and things that trigger resistance, void shortages, and obstacles in my life. Anything that limits me, I like to write it out. To remind, remember, and recollect the fact that these are the things that are interfering between me and a bigger world of infinity plus one. A bigger world that I can ask more of and more often of. And after I write it down, the second step that I utilize is to determine by looking at, paying attention, and giving attention to what instilled these beliefs. Is this an energetic installation or is it a genetic installation? If it's a genetic installation, I can look to see at the previous generations, great-grandparents, grandparents, grandparents, parents, and see if they have the same set limitations, They same set conversation, the same set thermometer of, oh, I'm mocking you, laughing at you, scoffing at you. You can't do that. Oh, be careful. That's not gonna work. What instilled these beliefs in you? Is it energetic or genetic? And then after you determine what has instilled these negative beliefs, interference, void, shortages, and obstacles that limit you from asking bigger or asking more, determine what the new positive belief would be use that infinity plus 1 as much as you can and try to instill every day without quit the pursuit of infinity plus 1 you know if you're looking at a car and this is your dream car one of your milestone car then add on you know uh, the best stereo system or make it a convertible do a plus 1 determine a new positive belief and ask for more and ask more often and then Number four, utilize your vibration or frequency, the elevated appreciation of what now you're asking for, to look for the coincidences or the evidence, raise your awareness, knowing that you can only be aware of what that which vibrates equal to or less than you, when you're asking for more, when you're instilling new beliefs, when you're expanding through appreciation, what you want, asking more often and asking bigger infinity plus one, you're elevating your frequency, your vibration, you're raising your awareness. And now you can look for new evidence to support your bigger world. Your reality has expanded and so has your imagination. And now, that reality can continue to grow, expand, accelerate, to fill itself through acknowledgement by giving it away. The fifth thing that you want to do is to use a frame it thing. I know, uh, a lot of people I know, Gary Vaynerchuk, one of my good friends and digital marketing mentor, he loves to frame things. You know, He frames it down to the worst case scenario and how you know, he can overcome that. Framing it is a great way of being able to get rid of limiting beliefs by taking away the unconscious competency, the ego based competency, the ego based interference of what all the fear that creates that resistance for you. So if you can raise the awareness and then frame it in worst case scenario, if, you know, I take this job and it doesn't work out, I can always go back to being an accountant sitting nine to five in a cubbyhole you can frame things that will reduce or alleviate a lot of the fear-based resistance interference that causes you. The sixth step that I use to get rid of this limiting belief, these inherent uh, inherited genetic and energetic uh, limitations that we put on ourselves that allow our realities to be stifled because we are just asking for crumbs uh, when we should be eating the whole cake is to recite the affirmations, you know, some of the affirmations that I recite all day long are, I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy, what am I doing to interfere with it? I'm connected to and through the greatest source of power, the omniscient source of power, the all powerful of power, who cares about me as much as I care about my children, except for they know everything. And I don't know anything. I'm ignorant and humble. So I recite affirmations to remind, remember, and recollect that oneness of what I'm connected to and through. I recite the affirmation to remind, remember, and program a genetic inheritance and an energetic inheritance as much as I can, as frequently as I can, knowing that my conscious continuum, how I shift my energy and my own genetics, my own quantum personal characteristics, obsessions, and addictions are determined by what energy, ideas, thoughts, beliefs, and actions I'm putting into the conscious continuum by utilizing the cellular memory that I have to speak to the 40,000 of the same thoughts that I have in the subconscious, which creates these efficiencies, effectiveness, and statistical success of neural pathways that will speak to, send a beacon, a frequency to, the epigenetic layer of my quantum being, which then activates my genetics. My genetics is a program that has been programmed by what? The energetic and genetic inheritance that I have. And so one, if I write down the negative of beliefs, I determine what instilled these beliefs into me and then create the new positive beliefs and utilize infinity plus one to do so. And then raising my awareness, my vibration to know there's new evidence of these great coincidences of a bigger, brighter, happier world that I can live in, surpassing my previous reality with a new imagined then new reality, thinking of the worst case scenario to frame it to get rid of or dissipate or dissolve any fear-based triggers that may create resistance or support the previous limiting energetic and genetic inheritance. Then I recite these affirmations to utilize the positive aspects of my conscious continuum, the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious. Then finally, step seven is to rinse and repeat. If anybody wants these seven limiting beliefs. And once in a guide, I'll send it to you. I'll give you my book, ebook, audio book. I'll sign a copy. I'll send this all to you. Just email me. My email is in uh, the notes, wherever it is, David at dmelcher.com. Reach out. I'm happy. This is what I look at every day. This is what I do, knowing that I have the power, happy, healthy, worthy, wealthy power to expand and grow every single day and reminding, recollecting, remembering to ask bigger, that I'm asking for crumbs and ask more often in person. Every day I'm asking in person, hey, utilizing an open mind, hey, what are you doing today according to what I'm doing today? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Will it help you if I did this for you? And finally, do you know anyone that can help me? And utilizing this methodology of an open-ended minded template of Creating open hearts because the way we think creates the way we feel, the way we feel creates the way we act. Knowing that open hearts create open, sorry, open minds create open hearts and open hearts create open hands. Open hands are those that know that giving and receiving are one. Rinse and repeat. Limiting beliefs are the ones which have the greatest potential for impacting us negatively upon achieving your full potential, not Not somebody else is not what's missing, not what you don't want. Your full potential, according to what you have inherited. Our potential is given to us at birth, energetically and genetically, and that we in this lifetime can pursue that potential and in its own activity, create joy, fulfillment, passion, purpose, and even profitability. We develop limiting beliefs to protect us from future pain when future pain is just an acknowledgement, is just an indicator to us, right? Future pain is just an indicator that we have a better place to be, a better situation to be in. Future pain is like staring at a fire when you're three years old thinking, oh my gosh, that's amazing. It looks so warm. It looks so great. I'm going to put my hand in it. And when I reach out to put my hand in it, that future pain, guess what? My mom screams at me or slaps my hand and creates pain setbacks, failures, and mistakes. The difference is when my mom and she slapped my hand or yelled at me for trying to put my hand into a fire when I'm three years old out of pure unconditional love, knowing that that fire most likely would burn me, the universe does the exact same thing to us except for it's all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, and it cares about us the same as my mom cares about us except for it is all-powerful, all-knowing, and omniscient. And so That pain, that future pain uh, is what's impacting and limiting us because we think it is a stop sign or punishment. The same way we did when we were three, we thought it was punishment when we got our hands slapped for trying to protect us. But when you can shift your perspective and paradigm to all pain, setbacks, failures, mistakes are simply just propelling us to a better place, a better position and protecting us. You will need or you will realize you don't need to protect ourselves from pain. You don't need to protect yourself from pain or setbacks or failures or mistakes. As long as you are trying to find the light, the love, and the lesson in it, when you reach out for the fire, if you get slapped and you learn not to put your hand in the fire and you utilize your perspective with appreciation that you didn't burn yourself, even though you didn't think it would burn you, you can have. Faith that it would have because the universe is omniscient, all powerful and all knowing and it cares about you the same as your mom cares about you when she slapped her hand trying to put your hand in the fire. So if you didn't get the job, if you didn't marry the girl you wanted to marry or boy that you wanted to date or you didn't get what you wanted and you were sure that's what you wanted because you attached your emotions to the outcome, which gave you a positive feeling that this is everything you wanted. The business has to be this way and it didn't work out. You should be grateful because there's nothing to protect yourself. It is actually protecting you and propelling you, not punishing you, because it's putting you to a better job, a better situation, or a better position. I did a meetup at Propelify in New Jersey a day or two ago. And uh, w- one of the guys that I've been working with for four years uh, came and just broke down crying. And you know, th- this gentleman has been through it. He economically, and he just broke down because he is finally after four years in a better place, a better situation, in a situation that his world wasn't big enough to understand at the time. So he needed to continually to learn lessons and find the light because his milestones were, as uh, my friend Michael Mola taught me today, right? Life's a a pinball machine. (laughs) You know, it's not a bowling alley. You're going to bounce, bounce, bounce. And each of those bumpers are pushing you towards the winning score. You do not need to protect yourselves against pain. Usually, this is developed in response to our childhood from trying to stick our hands into fires and getting slapped, attaching our emotions to an outcome. Now, what we want to do is we want to expand our world. And in order to expand our world, our reality to surpass our current imagination, we have to see what world we're in. The first world that you could be in is the world of not enough. Are you in a world of not enough? Were you energetically and genetically inherited a world of not enough? Are you a victim? Are you a why me person? You know, like I said, when I was growing up, I lived in this world of not enough. Everyone around me didn't have enough. If the car broke down, it was the ultimate, you know, uh, Shakespearean tragedy. Uh, Although we had so much love and happiness, which I didn't understand until. I expanded my world of how valuable the world that I lived in was because my perspective was not enough. It was continually attached to these outcomes, especially financial outcomes. And no matter what happened, it was why me? Why can't I have that? Why do they have that? And then eventually I moved to a second world, which you you may be in now, and it's the world of just enough. Uh, Now, just because you have a lot monetarily doesn't mean you're not living in a world of of not enough. I know people in $40 million homes in Newport Beach, California, that live in the world of not enough. They consistently are victims. They live in liability and blame, shame, justification. They never have enough. Then there's people that live in the world of just enough. And that world's not to you like a victim, but it's for you. Uh, Understanding Philanthropy as a negotiation or a trade, the more I give, the more I receive, not knowing that giving and receiving are ones, and the ultimate objective is to find open minds so that we can create open hearts, which create open hands, open hands give and receive when you lay them onto the ground, people can take and give at the same time. And we can expand and grow through appreciation and each time we receive, appreciating, acknowledging by giving it away. And when, you know, I was, about 25 years ago, uh, running Samsung's phone division. I had the world's first smartphone with Windows and Microsoft. And, you know, I can imagine it was well known on the Silicon Valley and Sand Hill Road. I'd raised hundreds of millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, I can imagine, you know, this young Jeff Bezos, a little bit older than me, telling me he was going to be the richest man in the world. See, I lived in the world of just enough. So thinking I was a top miss and a philanthropist, Everything in my life was a liability of blame, shame, justification. I lived in this world of just enough, giving to receive, trading everything that I had, buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't want, thinking that my worlds were bigger than everybody else's as a optimist, the top of all optimists. And I can imagine sitting in the garage with Bezos and him looking at me going, oh man, you're so successful, Dave. And you're incredible, Dave. And But I'll tell you this, Dave, I'm gonna be the richest man on earth someday. I'm going to sell these books out of my garage and be the richest man. I'm going to be a trillionaire someday. I just have to tell you, my world was just enough because his reality far surpassed my imagination, which caused me, right, I would have laughed at him, mocked at him, made fun of him the same way I hated people that laughed at me, mocked at me, and made fun of me when I said I was going to going to be a millionaire when I was five, sitting in Akron, Ohio, around an energetic and genetic inheritance that limited me far beyond my perception, I was doing the exact same thing or would have done the exact same thing to Bezos. Are you kidding me? How many of you would have believed Jeff Bezos 25 years ago selling books out of his garage, but he realized that he had a desire that he must be what he can't be, that his imagination far surpassed everybody's imagination his reality far surpasses so many people's imagination today and that we don't want to live in the world of not enough when things happen to you or in the world of just enough where everything you know is for you but jeff bezos and richard branson and Warren buffett they understand the world of more than enough they understand the world of womenness and infinity they understand right that there Elon Musk the alien musk he understands better than anyone that his reality surpasses most people's imagination and that's okay because that's how you expand grow and accelerate that you your energetic genetic inheritance you are the only thing that limits you so stop living in the world of not enough where things happen to you as a victim or in the world of for you, that world of just enough, buying things you don't need, living like a tube, food in, food out, paycheck in, paycheck out, living in just enough for me, lying to yourself about being a humanitarian and a philanthropist because you're limiting yourself, you can only limit what you can give, but enter this world of more than enough. A few years ago, my 12-year-old daughter's friend committed suicide and I was walking the beach thinking about happiness thinking about all the things that I learned from gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication, the things that have allowed me to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, allowed me to expand and grow, to live by my motto of making a lot of money, to living in that world of more than enough, to help a lot of people acknowledging it, acquiring the knowledge and giving away, to have a lot of fun, to be happy, almost all the time not all the time because i spend minutes and moments just like you in ego-based consciousness with the needs and triggers of the ego that create limitations voids shortages and obstacles in my world of more than enough but i came up with this idea that i could utilize not only the values that i knew but the daily practices that i had utilized for years in order to regain all the wealth that i had lost from living in the world of just enough and not enough but utilizing this abundant philosophy of every day, taking inventory of who I was, taking stock of who I was, a daily practice of knowing what I wanted personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise, knowing who could help me and who I could help, praying to God every day in the morning, may God put in front of me at least 10 people I can help, and may God put at least 10 people in front of me that can help me, knowing if I knew my what and my who, that how would allow me to be productive, to provide value to others, to be accessible to others and access what I want with open hands and to be grateful, to utilize the superpower, to find the light, the love and the lessons to allow me to live in this world of more than enough. And I decided as I was walking the beach, creating the importance of happiness that I would empower over a billion people to be happy. And my first you know, reaction to that idea a calling it was I got chills the hair stood up on you know my arms and my back sorry I didn't mean to discuss everyone but it, it did and I was just freaking out almost at the size and scope and scale of a dream to empower over a billion people to be happy to teach them to live in the world of more than enough to make a lot of money help a lot of people and have a lot of fun but then of course the energetic and the genetic inheritance came in and I started thinking who am I What are people going to think? How dare me? You can't ask for that. You can't ask off that. You can't do this. It was all right there. And how am I going to explain this to my wife? I mean, I just, I had lost everything and made it all back. And now I'm going to tell them that I'm back. That my mission in life is to empower over a billion people to be happy. She's going to think I'm crazy. And then I utilized those seven steps and I took each step and. The funniest thing is here I am years later on my journey to empower a thousand people on clubhouse, one of the main sources of people to empower a thousand, to empower a thousand, knowing that a thousand times a thousand, a million, a million times a thousand, a billion teaching gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication, teaching people the what, the who, the how, and the now to apply their why. And I think back and I say, man, I'm asking for crumbs, infinity plus plus one. I need to empower over a billion, two billion, three billion. Maybe I should be empowering more than the people that exist in this world, but other worlds. And I'm fighting my own resistance and limitations, the energetic and genetic inheritance. What I want everyone to do starting today is to share in the whole effing cake. Stop asking for crumbs. You're not asking big enough and you're not asking often enough. You are limiting yourself by an inheritance that you had no power over, but yet you are connected to and through the greatest source of power, the greatest source of love, light, and lessons, the greatest source, omniscient source, all-powerful source of everything, of more than enough of everything for everyone. And if you can do that, I promise you, inch by inch, day by day, your reality will far surpass even your imagination. I appreciate everybody for giving me the time to give a little lesson on asking for crumbs. Jakey Bakey, can you reset the room and let's take some questions. All right, thank you, Dave.
1: Okay, so we've got about 29 minutes here left on Clubhouse and of course the trainings. We've got questions coming in from Zoom, from Instagram, and then of course here on Clubhouse. So uh, let's start with Clubhouse. So Dora Maria, if you can please unmute yourself and feel free to ask your questions.
2: Awesome, thank you so much. It was amazing to meet you and uh, David uh, in person. So I appreciate that so much. David, how do you handle the takers Um, when you embark on this journey of having an open mind and open heart and open hands? There are inevitably takers. How do you handle that?
0: That's a great question. So I created a great chain of feeding and I've elevated uh, who I am by understanding that some people feed us. Some people don't. What, What do I do? I realized that 80% of my time, emotion, energy, value, and money is spent with people who bleed us, whether it's professionally or personally. i uh, consult some very large companies, Fortune 10 companies, and have multiple circumstances where they're putting so many exponential resources towards small clients that are bleeding them, and they're leaving their big clients who they've had for years without hardly any resources because they're happy. Instead of taking all those resources, firing from their life people that bleed you and laying that resources into those that feed you. The good news about the middle ground, the people who aren't bleeding you necessarily, but they definitely aren't feeding you. It's so easy to allow those people to fall away uh, because there's so much activity and there's so much noise that when we lived in small towns with small groups of people, it was very difficult to allow people to fall away. So I would create within your own determination, you know, this idea of who bleeds me, who doesn't. And who feeds me, and spend the majority of your resources feeding those people that feed you. You won't have time for the people that don't. And you certainly, uh, for those that bleed you, can fire them. And people ask me, how do you fire someone or fire a client from your life? It's really simple. You take accountability and say, hey, look, this has nothing to do about you. This has everything to do about me. I don't like me. I don't like the way I feel, you know, all these different things that you feel. And say, look, all I do is pray for your happiness and really appreciate you. But I need to feel good. I need to spend my time with those who are feeding me to feel good. This has nothing to do about you, but I am going to fire you from my business, my life, whatever it is. And it's okay to tell someone that this is about you and you don't like the way you feel when you're around them. You don't like the things you do when you're around them, that it may be too expensive to be around them, whatever they're bleeding you of and allow them uh, to be fired from your life. So create the great chain of feeding and bleeding. When you make and identify that determination, you'll see the maximization of your resources and the exponential growth that you'll receive. And you'll realize when you fire someone from your life, a client or a, a friend, it's amazing how quickly you realize that what, what energy was wasted. Thank you, Dora. Thank you, Dave
1: okay uh next up we've got a question from the zoom uh webinar training the question is what types of questions do you ask a potential business leader
0: yeah so you know it's so funny how these limitations uh stop us from prospecting or closing uh so we take on the same energetic and genetic limitation should we call how often should you call when should i call what questions should i ask um i utilize that open-ended question Uh, template right i'm always asking determinative upon the topic or business issue or life issue that i'm uh, discussing i immediately want to get alignment synergy supplementary ideas on how and where the person is at i want to get understanding so in order to do so i ask them according to what the topic is what are you doing today and so when i learn as an intelligent follower, uh, as I define a leader, an intelligent follower, as I'm more interested than interesting and ask, what are you doing today about your solar? What are you doing today about your annuities? What are you doing today about your real estate? What are you doing today about your 22 year old? What are you doing today about? I learn and I try to figure out how I could be of service or value. And as I ask more open ended questions and say, would it help you? If with a closing question, you know, I found you a day nurse so that you could be more productive, accessible, and gracious in the activity you get paid for. It would it help you if I was able to introduce you to this person? Would it help you if I was able to take the time to teach you how to articulate value to exceed what you're asking for? I then have opened up the world of crumbs by allowing myself for a natural transition to ask big and the biggest question i can ask the one that encompasses infinity the one that encompasses how big the size scope and scale of our reach is is a simple question do you know anyone that can help me and if you ask someone after learning about them, being more interested in interesting, seeing how you could be of service or value, asking a simple question of an open mind. Do you know anyone that can help me? Knowing that if it's a closed mind, I'm going to run the other direction because it'll take at least a thousand times the energy, emotion, value and money in order to re-engineer a closed mind. And there's so many open minds out there. But once I ask an open mind, do you know anyone that can help me? I now have either identified that they themselves can help me as a power sponsor or at the very least, they can leverage the minimum of a thousand people in their network to see who can be of service or value to me an open mind will have an open heart and open heart will have an open hands i've exponentially grown my network i've utilized the ability to ask often and ask bigger in order to effectuate and break that chain of inherent genetic and energetic inheritance uh, so the open-ended question guide is something that i've been giving away uh, for years it's helped so many people in a simple template understand how to provide value and how to ask bigger, to ask for the whole cake, not the crumbs, and to ask for infinity plus one, plus it helps them ask more often. I still check my set box every single day to see how often I'm asking, you know, asking for help, asking to see you know, if there's anything I can do. There has to be an ask. I keep asking more and more and more, knowing that that creates the productivity, accessibility, and gratitude in my life uh thank you so much this is david melzer reset the room and get another question you got it thank you dave yes this is the breakfast with champions here
1: 6 a.m pacific time 9 a.m eastern time of course dave's been doing training for over 21 years uh we've got the zoom webinar with over 50,000 people registered uh dave was talking about crumbs for the first 30 minutes of this training and now it is a open q a session so if you'd like to ask a question feel free to implement them into the zoom into the instagram and then of course here on clubhouse so Um, Next up, Dave, we will take a question from Instagram, and then Christina will ask a question on Clubhouse. So the question is from Shinuna, and the question is, what about relatives? What do you do about relatives who make you feel bad every time that you see
0: them? (laughs) First of all, nobody can make you feel bad. You you want to realize, you know, why is it that people trigger me? Uh, Now, those people most relative to us have snapshots of us. And that's why we're triggered or they make us feel bad, is that they have snapshots of who we were. And so, you know, I tell a story about my uncle for my 50th birthday almost four years ago, uh, I decided, which was probably one of the dumber decisions of my life, one of the more difficult decisions to throw 50 birthday parties around the world for charity. I'm the chairman of the Unstoppable Foundation and I, you know, sports person. So they have the 30 for 30, I was going to do the fifty for fifty and raise millions of dollars to build community centers in Africa for Unstoppable, um, and you know the very first launch one. Uh, my uncle, who really his snapshot of me is the previous Dave Meltzer, the eighteen to twenty-one year old David Meltzer, the one who lived in the world you know of just enough, the scarce Dave Meltzer, the young ignorant. Arrogant Dave Meltzer, not the ignorant, humble Dave Meltzer. And he was at the table with all the board members in my family. And he looks at Cynthia Kersey, who's the founder of Unstoppable, and he says, So, how much is David getting paid to do this? (laughs) And my wife was so offended. Oh my God, it was going to ruin her night. (laughs) And she came up to me furious Oh my God, your uncle, I can't believe it. He embarrassed you. He did. And my initial reaction, because I always spend minutes and moments in ego-based consciousness with the need to be angry or offended or right, or some other stupid waste of energy. Um, after I stopped, dropped and rolled and breathed and looked there and I said, oh yeah, I can imagine that. Because that was the snapshot of who I am to him. And it bothered me because it was true. And so what we utilize is forgiveness in order to effectuate the relatives that don't make us feel good uh and you know you can't fire certain people that are most relative to you you can't fire your children you know use that as a great example i wouldn't fire our parents um but what we can do is to forgive ourselves and to try to understand where they're coming from and pray for their happiness Uh, if they're attacking us if they put judgments and conditions on us especially if they're know, judgments and conditions are, you know, effectuated by snapshots of the past parts and worlds that we've grown past and through, you're just wasting energy with the need to be offended, or feel bad. And so what we can do is limit the amount of uh, interference or uh, activity that we have with them. Uh, But if they're relative to us in the context that we cannot fire them, then what we want to do is understand and pray for their happiness. And then utilize the law of falling away, the rule of falling away to limit the amount until we can learn to forgive ourselves, understanding more where they're coming from, but always loving them, appreciating them and praying for their happiness when somebody like that though, is not relative to you in a significant way, run away. But I would, if it's a parent, a sibling, a child, we don't run away. We understand and pray for their happiness. But we can limit uh, not only how often we're with them, but also the damage that we do by taking accountability and forgiving ourselves and asking ourselves, what do we do to attract this to ourselves? And what are we supposed to learn from it? It's okay if someone has a judgment and condition about 20 years ago, some incident that you did that may have been a mistake, even though you've grown past it and and you've gone and grown and learned from it. They haven't seen it. So the best way to do is get that reconciliation through understanding and forgiveness and you will feel better. And that's exactly what you want to do is feel good. Thank you so much. Excellent question. I'm sure every single person on here has that experience in curiosity of what to do with people that don't make us feel good, especially the relatives, the one most relative to us. All right, Jake, let's take another. You got it. I think that was the question of the day so far. So incredible question.
1: Thank you, Shandina, for asking. All right. Next up, we'll take a live question here on Clubhouse from the one and only Christina Madrigal. So Christina, if you can please unmute yourself and welcome to the Clubhouse
2: hello good morning and happy friday y'all <laughs> thank you so much for calling on me you're the y'all are just the greatest this has been an amazing morning so much value it's just so much fire so thank you so much um one of the things that you had said when you were talking was um, really seeing what is possible for you when you're asking for your cake uh, beyond the crumbs and i just wanted to express thank you for for modeling what is possible not only from a financial and business perspective, but seriously, you're one of the kindest people I know on the planet. So thank you for modeling that. Um, my question is, how do you, um, can you deep dive a little bit more into acceptance in terms of like uh, you spoke, you know, you didn't get the job or you didn't get the, the dream life or whatever that thing was that you thought maybe was the thing and not only uh, detaching yourself from the outcome, but a little bit further than that of just the process of accepting when something doesn't happen that you thought that you wanted, that you know ultimately you can accept that it's it's not the best, but um, just that ex- acceptance piece. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, you're welcome and thank you for the compliment. Um, kindness is the greatest compliment you can give others. So if we recognize the kindness that at least we have the intention for, uh, it goes a long way for both parties, so thank you. Um, yeah, processing uh, the detachment of emotions from an outcome that we wanted Uh, is definitely within the context of human nature. It's a daily occurrence uh, that things don't happen as planned. In fact, I tell people all the time to have routines, but if you want to make God laugh at you, come up with a well-developed routine or plan or an outcome. And I I promise uh, that God will change that for you or source or whatever you believe in. So for me, I use faith. Uh, Faith to me is that currency. Uh, It is the object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want, knowing one thing that I don't know what I don't know. And although I take inventory every day, uh, which reduces the disappointment because it allows me to make subtle changes of perspective, it allows me to learn every day that I may not be asking for the right things. I may not ask big enough. I may not be asking often enough. I may be asking for crumbs and the universe is telling me, Hey, this job is crummy. There's a job over here that is the whole cake. It has a salary commission, equity, benefits, and the freedom of working when you want, where you want. And yet I really wanted that job that had a salary uh, or I wanted that job that had health insurance. I see it every day. I see it with my own kids applying to schools as I did when I applied to school. And my dream was Stanford, but my journey was not Stanford. That was undergraduate and law school. And I thought for sure, I did everything that I was supposed to do in order to effectuate that decision. You know, I may not have gotten into Stanford, but I will tell you today that, you know, not only did I have to pay for my college that I got a full scholarship, but my law school, which I did have to take loans for, if somebody would offer me a full scholarship to Stanford or Harvard or another dream milestone that I had, uh, I would gladly pay for the law school that I went to and for the experiences I had looking back and connecting the dots backwards. There's no doubt that the universe was pushing me through rejection, through lessons, through pain, mistakes, failures and setbacks of what I wanted into a better place, a better position, a better situation. And ironically, you know, I was with Mike Tannenbaum last night, the old GM of um, the Jets, and he's on ESPN. And he now teaches a course at Columbia uh, in sports uh, business a sports law at Columbia law school, which is right. One of the top law schools, uh, in, in the world. And he laughed with me cause he went to my law school and he's like, can you imagine because we couldn't get into this school and now they're paying us to teach them. And I think to myself, yeah, because the universe knows what's best, the universe knows what's best. And I have to have faith every time I don't get what I want, that something better is happening. Let me change your mindset and repeat that one more time. Everything and every time something happens that I don't want. When I don't get what I want, I have to have faith. That's because I'm going to get something better. Boom. That's a simple process paradigm and perspective shift that will change your life. So pain is an indicator. It's propelling you. It's not a punishment and stopping you. It's that simple. And so when you don't get what you want, be grateful forgiving for what you should have done or should have known or should have been aware of be accountable, but be inspired. You are in spirit that something better is happening. And you're just using the man-made construct of time, the 24 hours in a day to disappoint yourself that you don't have the capability of ignorant. You have the capability of ignorance, you don't have the capability of omniscience to know why you didn't get what you want. You just have to have faith that it's gonna be because something better is coming your way. Uh, This is a very important paradigm shift for everyone, especially in the context of learning not to ask for crumbs, learning to ask more often. And Christina, I promise you, you have a better place, a better situation and a better uh, uh, place to be than the one you thought you were supposed to be. So thank you so much for that question.
2: You're amazing. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you so
1: much, Christina. As Bonnie on the webinar said, mic drop. That was definitely a mic drop. Thank you, Dave. Okay, next up, we've got a question on the webinar from Sam. The question is, I heard in one of your groups that you talked about the difference between a mentor and a
0: coach. Can you please elaborate? Yeah, uh, so maybe heard There's really three distinctions. Um, and I try to be all three, Um, but I'm better at some than others. A mentor is someone that gives the best of them. Uh, So everybody should have a mentor, people that sit in a situation that you want to be in. The fastest way to get to where you want to be is ask someone that's already there for directions. Uh, So a mentor is someone that gives the best of themselves to you. A coach is someone that gets the best out of you. They might not be as good at you as you. They may not not know as much as you know about what they're coaching, uh, promise you, you see this in sports all the time, but what they do is they bring the best out of you, uh, which means that they are accelerating your desire that you must be what you can be. They're bringing when you think you don't have They're they're shifting or breaking the chain of energetic and genetic limitations that you put upon yourself, they're bringing stuff out of you. Like David Goggins says, when you're ready to quit, realize you're only 40% of the way there. Man, that's so inspiring to me to think that I limit myself over 50%. When I'm about to quit in something that I'm only 40% of the way there. Oh, my potential is so great. Um, And so a coach is someone that brings uh, the best out of you, a teacher, or a trainer uh to me is the most difficult because we have to have a line alignment uh, and understanding a teacher or a trainer is someone that can explain to you what to do uh, and that means that we have to use the same vocabulary energy frequency and awareness in order to effectuate the differentiator between what i say and what you hear uh, and so uh, the value of the teacher is extraordinary because Uh, Even within the context of sales, for example, so many people uh, can be a mentor of their own product, service, or solution. They can be a coach of their own product, service, or solution, but if they're not capable of articulating the value of the product, service, or solution to exceed what they're asking for, the business will fail. The product, service, or solution will never be sold or never be shared. And so we want to strive to our best potential to be great mentors utilizing what we do know to the capacity of people who need to know it or want to be where we are, to to be a great coach, trying to elevate others, to elevate ourselves. Stop trying to be a celebrity, be a celebrant, be a coach, bring the best out of people, plant seeds in them, plant seeds in them, even though they may be trees that you never sit under, as Dennis Waitley always taught me. And then practice, 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 Be more interested than interesting, learn to teach, learn to articulate the value to exceed what you're asking for, learn to explain things. So not only is it what you say, but people actually hear what you say and create action from what you say. Be a mentor, be a coach, be a teacher. Let's all be celebrants. Thanks, Jake. Uh, We got another question we sure do we've got about seven minutes
1: or so so that was an incredible question let's take a question here on clubhouse uh joseph storzinger if you can please unmute yourself and welcome hey 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 david what's going on my man thank you appreciate all your help my brother uh jake it's good to see you thanks for bringing me up here um such a liveness over in hoboken the other day with everybody seeing everybody together um, nothing greater than that. And I'm so happy for everything you guys have going on and sort of here thinking, you know, what's next, what's new, what's happening with David Meltzer, the team and everybody. We know we have office hours coming up, but what's some of the? without giving away maybe too much information, what's the next thing?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the studio with Blue Wire that we have at the Win. um, all the different content that we're going to be providing to help people with their playbook to success. So anybody in Las Vegas, come by the lobby, check out our new studio at The Wind. Uh, we're bringing the billionaires, billionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers into a studio to capture all the content and creativity uh, that we can and knowledge so that we can modify it, amplify it, and perpetuate it. Uh, season three of Two Minute Drill I'm still looking for the best companies to apply to win $50,000 of cash prizes over every episode. We have 12 episodes we're going to be filming. Please try out. We would love to have you. Uh, It's on Bloomberg TV. It's on Amazon Prime Video, the same as Office Hours, uh, which launches next week uh, with those billionaires, millionaires. So uh, you know, what's next for me is to keep empowering people like you, Joseph, and Christina and others in Clubhouse and on the webinar I've been doing this for over 21 years. And I finally got to the 25 percent result mark where I'm aware that we're having an impact. And I want to continue to have that impact. I'm continuing to have and to help people make money, help people and have fun. Uh, and it's been so nice to be on this journey where uh, literally 19 year olds that I was helping years and years ago are getting exits and multimillionaires and they're coaching people and teaching people. Uh, So we're going to continue continuing on to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential. We're going to make as much money as we can to help as many people and have as much fun by creating content, modifying it, amplifying it, and perpetuating, whether it be elevator pitch in its seventh season, two minute drill in its third season, office hours in its first season, the new studio at The Wind, the new studio at SoFi, Stadium in Los Angeles, uh, or coaching free trainings—you know anything? I do have a, a waitlist for one-on-one help. If you need that, please join the waitlist. Um, I'm here to be of service and of value. And Joseph, you're one of those people that—you know—I don't know how long uh, we've been uh, engaged in, in some sort of mentoring, but uh, man, your progress in, in happiness and wealth have just grown. So I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate everyone. I think we have time for one more question, Jake. Thank you, David. Awesome. Hey,
3: Jake, I'd love to ask a question. It's Rachel, if that's cool.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Rachel.
3: Hey, David. Sorry for the background noise. I'm just walking my dog right now. I've met you a few times at the Super Bowl. It's always incredible to hear you speak. My question is, how do you help or deal with someone that is coming to you for advice or to buy something from you that has limited beliefs? I see the potential in a lot of people, but... I know that they have limiting beliefs about money and like, how do you, how would you, how would you close them without being too pushy because they're coming to you? I know they want what I have, but I don't, I guess sometimes it's, it's hard to kind of disrespect that boundary, but know when they need that push. So I just want to hear from you how you would deal with that kind of situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Rachel it happens to me all the time. So, Uh, Number one, if you're in the context of a stimulating interest where we're prospecting, I have a 25 no rule. uh, So which is once I determine it's a closed mind and I get a no, I go ahead on to the next no. And I know that within the context of 25 no's, I'm going to get somebody that does have an open mind so I can utilize the open heart of how they feel with their open hands. Now, this is more in the engagement stage where. Someone has an energetic or genetic inheritance, a limiting belief, a closed mind. Uh, And so I use a three no, very pragmatically, a three no rule. Um, So I will go ahead and it's a universal one. So it's not just them telling me, you know, I have limiting beliefs. No, I don't have enough money or it's not going to work for me or whatever the excuses are of their limiting beliefs in in genetic and energetic inheritance. Um, I go ahead no matter when that resistance occurs, or if accidentally I create resistance, that's one no. But on the third no, I give them an opportunity to reassess and realign and re-engineer their limits. And by doing so, you need to go ahead and reduce, actually counterintuitive, the push. Meaning you have to articulate to them, hey, this obviously isn't the right place or the perfect time for you. When you're ready, I would love to work with you, but now I have to attend to those people that do have and are interested in what I'm doing. So please let me know. 50% of those people that have those limiting beliefs, 50% of them will never call you. And those are the most valuable people in your pipeline in the business context with what you're asking, because we waste so much time, like I say, about 80% of our time, resources, and money towards those people. And so if we can, Find out and stop wasting our time, emotion, value, and money on those people, and utilize it to people with open minds that don't have the limiting beliefs. We're going to be much better off statistically, efficiently, and effectively. But here's the other cool thing: 50% of them, we have accelerated the reengineering and open-mindedness. We have reengineered uh, that belief, uh, and they come back and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. I'm I'm, I'm ready to go." Now they would have gotten there anyway. But you've received by utilizing the three-no rule an accelerated result. So in both uh situations, a closed mind, you save yourself the most. And in the open-minded or limiting belief side of it, you've just accelerated the answer and opportunity that you wanted. So use a three-no rule to qualify where the bleeding and feeding is happening and Most importantly, use the three no world to be efficient, effective and statistically successful with your efforts, because there's plenty of people out there that have open minds that either can help you or want to work with you or know somebody that does. Does that sound fair?
3: Yeah, that was that was great. And I've definitely been able to accelerate people, but I think I've wasted a lot of times on the ones that just weren't going to get there. So I didn't do that third step. So that was amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you, everyone.